So if you're just now joining us, welcome to Bethany United Methodist Church, where we are leading people to experience God's love, to know Jesus Christ, and to grow in His image. We're glad you're worshiping with us this morning. As always, if you need to uh, uh, ask questions or get information, reach out to the folks on the live chat there on the side of your screen. Uh, We're continuing this morning in the Soul Care is Self-Care series, and we're going to talk about soul transformation a little this morning. I just want to say a word about that. Uh, in our culture right now, the, the, the big word is not necessarily transformation, it's affirmation. Uh, and uh, people will say sometimes, well, you know, if we are created in the image of God and, and God called us good, uh, why do we need transformation? Why don't we just have affirmation? And the, the Christian narrative says, yes, we were created that way, but in our disobedience, we brought ourselves under the guilt and the power of sin in our lives. And so affirmation alone always rings hollow because we know who we really are, that we are still under the power of sin and guilt. And it's only when we seek transformation, when we allow the power of God into our life to overcome both the power and the guilt of sin, that we then are in a place where affirmation can ring true. And so we're going to speak about uh, how that comes to be known to us a little this morning, because all of that truth is communicated to us in God's Word. And we're going to talk a little bit about how God's Word can be active in our lives to transform who we are. Let's pray. Oh Lord, come and be present with us and open us up to the truth you would speak to us. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, so remembering that John Wesley, who is the founder of Methodism, uh, penned a lot of the, the foundational documents of our faith, of our denomination. Um, if you go back, there's something called the Articles of Religion, which he crafted off of the Articles of Religion of the Church of England, which appears in the beginning of our foundation documents. And in that, uh, Article 5 says, The Holy Scripture containeth all things necessary to salvation, so that whatsoever is not read therein, nor may be proved thereby, is not to be required of any man, it should be believed as an article of faith, or be thought requisite to salvation. Uh, Moving that into contemporary English, uh, basically what he's saying is, the Scripture has everything in it that you need to know for salvation. It's all in there. And and if it's not in there and it can't be proved, you don't need to believe that and you don't need to consider it necessary for salvation. So you hear the the primacy or the importance he places upon the role of Scripture in our lives, both for salvation and for the transformation of who we are, which is part of Wesley's understanding of salvation. So I want to take that and I'm going to run through a number of Scriptures here. Uh, It's going to be a little wordy here for a while, so hang with me. Uh, We're going to start back with the Shema in Deuteronomy where God speaks, and uh, I'm going to be using translation out of the message this morning, or transliteration out of the message, uh, just because if you've been hearing these in traditional uh, kinds of translations, I want to catch your ear a little bit with the way uh, Eugene Peterson writes these. Uh, Attention Israel, God, our God, God the one and only, love God, your God, with your whole heart. Love Him with all that's in you. Love Him with all you've got. Write these commandments that I've given you today on your hearts. Get them inside of you and then get them inside your children. Talk about them wherever you are, sitting at home or walking in the street. Talk about them from the time you get up in the morning to when you fall into bed at night. Tie them on your hands and your foreheads as a reminder. Inscribe them on the doorposts of your homes and on your city gates. 
And then going on, if you hear the importance of that, the centrality of that, that it should be the center point of all your life. And, and in Psalms, you hear that theme repeated again, uh, how well God must like you. And I love Eugene Peterson's language here. Uh, you don't hang out at Sin Saloon. You don't slink along Dead End Road. You don't go to Smart Mouth College. Uh, instead, you thrill to God's words. You chew on Scripture day and night. You're a tree replanted in Eden, bearing fresh fruit every month, never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. Uh, in both of these, you hear that, that God commands us to, to be focused on the Word and to understand it, uh, and to carry that with us in everything we do, uh, to think about it day and night, to have it inside us, not simply a matter of study, but something we internalize and make part of who we are. And then the psalmist reminds us, you know, if, if this is what you do, if you chew on this, if you feed on Scripture, on God's Word, day and night, uh, your life blossoms uh, and it flourishes. Even when the rest of the world is in bad places and in the midst of pandemics, your life can still flourish if you are feeding on the Word of God and holding to the Word of God. Jesus refers back to the power of this and he says, don't suppose for a minute that I have come to demolish the Scriptures. Really important to remember when you read Jesus' words in the New Testament, he refers to the Scriptures. He's talking about what we think of as the Old Testament. So for all of us who uh, tend to want to ignore the Old Testament and say, oh, I don't like that, I just want to read the New Testament, you need to hear that when Jesus makes statements like this, he's referring to what we think of as the Old Testament and call the Old Testament. Don't, don't suppose for a minute that I've come to demolish the Scriptures, either God's law or the prophets. I'm not here to demolish, but to complete. I'm going to put it all together, pull it all together in a vast panorama. God's law is more real and lasting than the stars in the sky and the ground at your feet. Long after stars burn out and earth wears out, God's law will be alive and working trivialize even the smallest item in God's law and you will only have trivialized yourself but take it seriously show the way for others and you will find honor in the kingdom unless you do far better than the Pharisees in the matters of right living you won't know the first thing about entering the kingdom this reminder that God's law outlasts everything, that God's word uh, is, is from beginning to end. And remember, when he talks about word, uh, and we use that language uh, in Scripture, uh, we're not just talking about words, small w, like the individual words on a page. We're, we're talking about the understanding, the structure, the order. Uh, God's, uh, if you will, plan for all that is, and God's understanding of all that is. It's a rather expansive kind of concept here which is conveyed to us in the law, God's instructions to us about how we are to live uh, both of ourselves in our relation to God, but also in our relationships to each other. And you might have heard at the beginning of that passage of the Deuteronomy, uh, the, the piece of scripture that, that Jesus repeats when he's asked about what the greatest commandments are. Uh, because when he repeats that, you know, love the Lord your God with all you have, you know, all you are, that passage, that's referring back to the Shema. When he says, love your neighbor as yourself, he's referring to another passage in the law where that instruction is given. So he, he's actually making references back into the Old Testament scriptures in these passages when he speaks. Um, so here's this reminder that this is, this is to be held onto and that Jesus doesn't come to do away with the law, but rather to complete it or to fulfill it. Uh, as you move forward in scripture, uh, you find uh, James writing about the necessity of living this out. 
Uh, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you are anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Uh, act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the, tr the free life, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. That person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Let's understand that it's important to live this out. We know in our learning kind of uh, theories that we have today that some of us uh, tend to absorb information better if we see it. Uh, some of us tend to absorb it better when we hear it. Uh, some of us tend to absorb it best when we actually put it into practice. We do it. But, but what's really true beyond that is that when we have all of those working together, that's when we learn something the best. When we're able to see it, we're able to hear it and do it. And this is why you have apprenticeships and all the, the major trades and, and technical kinds of practices. You have apprenticeships where someone is, is, is showing you, you're studying by reading about it and somebody's talking you through the process as you're doing it and guiding you through it while you do it with your hands so that you learn it in the most full and complete manner possible. That's what James is referring to here, that we are, we are to approach our faith in that sense of apprenticeship. It's not just something we're to read, not just something we're to listen to on Sunday morning in the sermon or in your Sunday school lesson, but it's something we're supposed to be living out with the coaching of those around us so that we actually internalize and are reshaped and reformed by the Word of God. And that word, Timothy, is, Paul reminds Timothy, is, is critical to our shaping and transformation. Paul's writing to Timothy, speaking to him about those who are critical and demeaning of his faith. And he says, but don't let it phase you. Stick with what you learned and believed, sure of the integrity of your teachers. Why, you took in the sacred scripture with your mother's milk. There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. There's nothing like the written word. Sounds very much like Mr. Wesley there. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live in God's way. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the task that God has for us. Uh, this understanding that the, the words God breathed, it's inspired. That's literally what that phrase is. The Spirit of God has breathed life into it just like God breathed life into us in the beginning. And so God's Spirit is moving through these words uh, and, and giving life to them. And they speak to us uh, not simply as words on a page, but as God speaking to us, the Spirit speaking to us in the midst of our life. So, so Mr. Wesley uh, wanted to give instructions about reading scripture uh, and at the beginning of one of his essays he, he writes these words uh, to uh, the, the Methodist. He says, uh, here then I'm, I am far from the busy ways of men. I sit down alone, only God is here. In his presence I open, I read his book for this end to find the way to heaven. Is there a doubt concerning the meaning of what I read? Does anything appear dark or intricate and Frankly, for most of us, yes, that's true. I lift up my heart to the Father of lights. Lord, is it not thy word? If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Thou givest liberally and upbraidest not. Thou hast said, if any be willing to do thy will, he shall know. 
I am willing to do. Let me know thy will. I then search after and consider parallel passages of Scripture, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I meditate thereon with all the attention and earnestness of which my mind is capable. If any doubt still remains, I consult those who are experienced in the things of God, and then the writings whereby, being dead, they yet speak, and what I thus learn, that I teach. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, it's hard enough to read that without getting my tongue tied, so it may sound a little difficult for you. So let me break this down a little bit for you and tell you, uh, put it in a little easier maybe format to understand Mr. Wesley's methodology here, because actually this is still what is taught in most seminaries uh, in, in similar kinds of ways. This is how we go about understanding Scripture. Uh, first, we are to be intentional about setting aside time for study. Uh, we'll set aside time to study our hobbies. Uh, we'll set aside time for continuing ed in our careers. Uh, why would we ignore that which has most to do with, with life, both present and eternal, and hope present and eternal, and joy present and eternal, and peace present and eternal? Uh, this, this is something to be of significance and priority in your life. Be intentional about setting aside time for that, and then read the Bible. Don't just read what someone says about the Bible read the Bible. And I always find it helpful to look at multiple translations and kind of see what they say. As I said this morning, I'm using a lot of Eugene Peterson's material because sometimes he has a way of turning the phrase that catches my ear and speaks to me. Uh, you may find something different that speaks to you, a different translation, but, but read multiple translations uh, as you are doing this. Pray for God's Spirit to enlighten you. Remember, this is God-breathed. The scriptures are God-breathed. The Spirit's guided this. The Spirit guided the original writers who penned the words. The Spirit guided the councils of the church as they worked through this and selected it. All through this process of the scripture coming together, the life of God has been moving in it, and the life of God is still moving in it. And if we are not inviting God's Spirit to guide us in our reading of it, we will not have a true understanding of it. So invite God's Spirit to come and enlighten you. And then compare all applicable passages. You know, compare them against each other. This is what he's talking about, comparing spiritual things with spiritual things. Uh, I find a topical index or some kind of study Bible helpful here so that I can look at different passages. Uh, it really is true that you can pick and choose individual passages out of the Scripture to prove pretty much anything you want to prove. Uh, that, that you can do that, uh, but it is unfaithful to the Scripture, uh, and it's unfaithful to God to do so. Uh, so. So having something that allows you to read the broader scope of Scripture and, and all that God has said throughout millennia on certain topics will give you a much clearer and more true understanding of what God's Word is on that. So, so you need to have that kind of a broad reading, especially when you get into things that are uh, more emotional for you or more controversial. Uh, it will help you avoid just sliding into those easy places that we tend to go to. Read quality commentary on the passages. Uh, you know, if, if you need some advice on that, ask one of your pastors. But be aware that there's lots of stuff on the internet these days that you have access to 
that is not quality. So uh, be aware of that. And you know, if you need some suggestions, uh, ask, and we can provide some for you. But uh, read quality commentary. Sometimes uh, it'll help you understand the context in which it's written, especially with Paul's letters. What is he referring to? Uh, who is he writing to? Uh, kind of understanding those things. Sometimes it'll help you understand some of the nuances of language that, that um, don't appear to us and, and don't come to us and aren't readily available to us. Uh, I have found over the years, especially in dealing with some of the passages of the Old Testament, which are difficult, uh, that it is really helpful to read other people's writings on it. And Sandra Richter in particular has kind of helped me uh, deal with some of those issues in the Old Testament uh, with passages that I struggle with. Remember, Mr. Wesley said that the church is never supposed to judge the Scripture, but rather the Scripture always judges the church. So it's not something where when you run across a hard passage, you should just dismiss it or say, I don't like that, I don't want to read it, or I'm going to ignore that. But rather, if you're running across something that is causing you to struggle, uh, that's a sign you need to dig in and study further. Um, you may never be completely comfortable with it, but, but digging in and studying further may help you to understand it uh, much more fully. Then read the writings of the saints that go before you. I find uh, the ancient Christian commentary on Scripture, which is a uh, collection of the commentaries of the first couple of hundred years of the church's life, uh, the first two, three hundred years, uh, to be really helpful to go back and read what, what those saints said about Scripture. Uh, we live in an age where our conceit is that somehow or another we're so smart that we know better than anybody else what, what the Scripture means and what they intended when they wrote those words and what God intended when He inspired those words. Uh, and so uh, sometimes it's good to be reminded that we don't know everything we think we know uh, and to go back and read some of these early commentaries uh, and, and hear what they are saying about the intent and the meaning of those scriptures. In the same way, uh, Mr. Wesley has uh, commentary notes on most of the scripture. Uh, and there's a recently published uh, volume called the Wesley One Volume Commentary, which is a really good resource to go back. Mr. Wesley himself was, was a tremendous scholar. Uh, he knew the original uh, biblical languages. Uh, he'd read extensively. His knowledge of scripture is probably much more developed than any of ours is. Uh, and so uh, why should we cheat ourselves of the advantage of, of having that knowledge speak to us? So uh, go back and read what some of the saints uh, have said about this to help you understand what the church throughout millennia has understood these passages to mean. And then pray some more. Because one, you, you just can't pray too much. And two, you know, once you do all this study, you're probably going to need to pray some more to sort through it. And, and then live and teach what you learn. Don't let it just be academic. It's, it's not to be an intellectual exercise. Remember, you're, you're reading for transformation. You're wanting God to speak His Word into your life and to shape your life with His Word. So this is, this is serious business, uh, and it needs to be handled that way. Now, that, that's kind of a basic pattern for study. Uh, it'll be up on the website later in the week. Uh, and I have found this to be an excellent model uh, and actually very consistent with everything that you, you get taught when you're in seminary. So um, I, I would really highly recommend it to you. A another method which is a little more existential uh, and uh, may appeal to other folks is called Lectio Divina. And um, this is a way, holy reading is what it means. It's a way of reading scripture and inviting God to, to speak that scripture into our lives. I'm going to suggest that when you select a passage to read this way, it needs to be a passage that you have some good understanding of. Because again, if you don't, this can just become a really great way for you to exercise your imagination 
and place your understanding and your meaning upon Scripture instead of allowing it to speak to you. Uh, but having said that, if, if you do this practice, set aside some time to do this. Take time. Don't rush it. Uh, and first, you, you just read the passage, and you read it out loud. Don't read it silently. Read it out loud multiple times and in different ways. For example, if I'm reading the Psalm 23, which I know I have preached on several times and know inside and out, I'm reading that first line. What a difference it makes where I put the emphasis. If I say, the Lord is my shepherd, I'm emphasizing the Lord, the, the, who the Lord is, the glory of the Lord, the power of the Lord. If I say, the Lord is my shepherd, now I'm emphasizing the relationship that I have with the Lord and, and what that is in God's presence with me. If I say, the Lord is my shepherd, now I'm emphasizing the priority of God in my life. At least that's, for me, how I would be hearing those kinds of different ways of reading it. So, when you read through passages, depending on how you emphasize it and say it, uh, it may speak to you in different ways and lift different things up to you. And, and you meditate upon that. Remember, in the Christian tradition, meditation is upon a focus, upon a passage of Scripture, piece of art, piece of music. And so you're meditating upon that. What does that say into my life at this point? Um, you may uh, use some imagination here, uh, if necessary, to kind of draw mental pictures of what that means. Uh, but it's a, it's a way of leaning into those scriptures in different ways. Uh, you pray over those scriptures. And again, you're asking the enlightenment of God's Spirit to enlighten your heart as to what out of that is directly speaking into your life on that day. And then you spend time in contemplation, which is a time of silence and listening for what God will say to you. The important thing to understand about this is it needs to be done in a very kind of quiet, insulated kind of environment where you feel safe. And it needs to be done leisurely. Don't do this in a hurry, but rather allow time for this to unfold and let God's Word unfold and speak into your life under the guiding of the Holy Spirit. It's been practiced for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, and there's tremendous power in this uh, when you actually allow the Spirit to move into it. Um, more recently, one of the practices that's been lifted up is actually praying the scriptures. And I'm going to invite you to listen uh, to my sister Gina Doolittle in our prayer ministry as she shares some of this with you. Hi, my name is Gina Doolittle, and I'm a member of Bethany's prayer ministry team. And if you've ever prayed, you're also a member of Bethany's prayer ministry team. So aren't we having a great summer sermon series on soul care? So I've been asked to share with y'all um, a way that I help take care of my soul through prayer. And a few years ago, I found myself being kind of um, stuck in a rut, praying the same prayers over and over. And I just needed to, or wanted to revitalize my prayer life. And a friend told me about a book called Praying the Scriptures by Evan Howard. And I'll show y'all what that looks like at the end of the video. And in that book, I learned that I could just open up the Bible, find Bible verses that are uh, a situation that maybe I'm going through or a friend's going through, and I can use those verses to craft prayer. And um, I'm going to just talk about three different ways that you can do that. The one way to pray scripture is just to physically just read it out loud, just to open your Bible and find a, a phrase or a scripture that you would like to read. And um, I love Psalm 100 as a, a psalm of praise. So you can just stand up and you know, just take your Bible in your prayer place or your living room or your closet, wherever you choose to pray. And you can just literally read from the Bible out loud. And that is a prayer. So Psalm 100 starts, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, 
serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord God himself is good. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Praise be to God. Amen. So there's a prayer straight from scripture that I just read out loud. And sometimes I like to actually write down a prayer and I like to use little note cards and um, just find a, a passage that is particularly uh, fitting for me or the one that I want to focus on or meditate on or just to have to read. So from Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, I wrote this prayer specifically for me. And it says, Father, teach me to trust you with all my heart this day. Do not let me lean on my own understanding, for they are weak. In all my ways, I will acknowledge you, and you will make my paths straight this day. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So just a simple, short little prayer that I can keep on my dresser or in my car, and I can read that on a daily basis as I go about my day. Another way we can use scripture is if we have a friend or loved one who we know is struggling, or uh, you specifically want to pray something over that person, you can go through your Bible and find just the right situation that fits that person's life. And so I'd like to show one that I wrote for a friend of mine. And what I did, I would like to show you the Bible verse from Psalm uh, 31, 2 through 5, what the Bible says, and then how I turn that into a prayer. So it reads this, incline your ear to hear me, rescue me quickly, be to me a rock of strength, a stronghold to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. For your name's sake, you will lead me and guide me. You will pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have ransomed me, O Lord, God of truth. So I took that, those uh, Bible verses, and just tweaked them a little bit, and I personalized it for this friend of mine. I changed the name for this friend of mine who is struggling right now, and I turned it into a prayer specifically for that person, and I inserted my friend's name. So now it reads, Father God, your son Sam is in distress. Incline your ear to hear him. Rescue him quickly. Be to him a rock of strength, a stronghold to save him. You are his rock and his fortress. I ask that you reveal that to him. For your name's sake, you will lead and guide Sam. You will pull him out of the net in which he lies, for you are Sam's strength. Into your hand, I ask that you receive Sam. You have ransomed him, O Lord, God of truth. I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There you go. Just a prayer that's been scripted straight from uh, verses in the Bible. David penned those words so many years ago, and I am blessed to be able to use those same words to write a prayer for a friend of mine. So here's the book that gives great ideas on praying the scriptures. And this is where I, I um, got my information from. And I would just um, encourage you, you don't have to have the book, but just to open your Bible, just to see the wonderful things that God has for you in his, I call it his treasure book. And find scripture, you can pray for yourself, pray for a friend, or just pray out loud to our Lord. So I hope that you will um, have some time to write some new prayers and to revitalize your prayer life if that's something that you're interested in doing at this time. Be blessed. So if you didn't catch it, I just want to be sure you heard that the, the name in that prayer she wrote is not her friend's actual name. Um, but also, you know, listening to that, uh, you, you may understand why we feel so blessed by our prayer ministry uh, within this congregation to have folks like Gina who are uh, lifting all of us up in prayer on different occasions. 
Scripture can speak to us in so many ways when we, when we allow God's Word to become active in our lives. Not simply to be an intellectual exercise, but to be active in our lives and transforming who we are. Um, you've heard me talk about this passage before, but, but i just tell you that, that when I was at a point that was uh, very difficult uh, in my life and in my ministry, uh, and where I was feeling very dry, God led me to a passage in Isaiah, which has become one of the passages I stand on in my life. And whenever things are difficult, this is a passage I go back to, and it reminds me that it is not about my strength or my understanding. It reminds me that it is about God's strength and understanding with me. From Isaiah in the 40th chapter. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob, or whine Israel, saying, God has lost track of me. God, he doesn't care what happens to me. In case you've ever felt that way before, which I have. Uh, he doesn't care what happens to me. Don't, don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out, doesn't pause to catch his breath, and he knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired, gives fresh strength to dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out, young folk in their prime stumble and fall. But those who wait upon God get fresh strength. They spread their wings and soar like eagles. They run and don't get tired. They walk and don't lag behind. And for me, that's become one of those places where God continues to speak into my life and remind me that uh, my strength is not going to be enough and my understanding is not going to be enough. Um, but that when I lean into God and allow God's strength and God's understanding and God's wisdom to speak into my life, God is always enough. So I invite you to, to, to lean into the scriptures, not just as an intellectual exercise, but as a way of allowing the word of God, the understanding of God, the wisdom of God, the love of God, the grace of God to speak into your life in transforming ways. Let's pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for the power of your word. Uh, we confess to you that sometimes we struggle with it. Uh, sometimes we take it for granted. Uh, sometimes we assume that everybody else understands it and we don't. Um, so, so we ask you to, to lead us back into engaging with you. To hear this as you speaking into our lives, not just printed words on a page, not just a subject of some Bible study that we have signed up for, but rather as the power of you speaking into our lives to overcome the power of sin and the guilt of sin to reshape us back into the image in which you created us to transform us into the people you would have us be uh, to truly make us children of yours and we ask this in the name of jesus christ amen